0: Good morning. You are my friends, and I am so happy to be back here with you. I love Dave Ogren. We have been friends for 30 years, Dave and I, and he is uh, about 30 years older than me. So I just want to make that part clear. You know, it was a year ago I was here. I was here last December. So what have you been doing this year? (laughs) What, what's new? What a year. Can you believe that? <clears throat> man, going into going into January last year, little did we know, huh? Man, oh man, aren't you just getting sick of all this? What do you think of the mask? Are you tired of wearing masks everywhere you go? You know, listen, <clears throat> listen, you got to look on the bright side of things, okay? I'm always trying to be an optimist, look on the bright side. Look, if you don't like wearing the masks... Let me encourage you is this. Some of you have never looked better, okay? So that's a way we can say, okay, that's, that's helpful. I've thought about this. How about these people that are actually dating during the pandemic? That mask brings a whole new meaning to blind date, doesn't it, you know? <coughs> you think you're dating Rachel at the end of the night, you realize it's Leah. You know what I mean? It's like, what? what? I didn't know that's who I was dating. <coughs> It's made church so interesting. You know, I I have not been able to do a lot of traveling this year because of so many places closed down. But in Washington, I've been doing a lot of speaking and so forth. And man, you go from having a live crowd to you can't have any but you know, I there were times I'm in a room and it's just a cameraman and a sound guy, and that was you know pretty awkward. And then and then they open it up in the summertime and we had church outside. And so a lot of churches would have me come and speak in their parking lot to cars. And literally I would be talking to car. I told my wife, I, I need to go to a car dealership on Saturday night to practice because I've never just talked to cars before. And they, they would have. They would tune their radios to the mic somehow, the mic system, the sound system, and I would speak to. And this is where it got so weird. I can't see their faces, and I like to. I like to see faces, right? All I'm seeing is windshields. But I'm not making this up. Like when people wanted to do amen, they they would honk you know so I'm like oh I guess I, and then you know you, you know the, you know, they praise the Lord put the wipers on hallelujah you know it was like like man I cannot get used to this this is crazy crazy you know uh, please come forward to receive Christ you know cars what do you do I mean you can't you gotta just go with the flow I guess so this is refreshing you're refreshing this is good this is good it man, I love Christmas time too. I love I love Christmas music. Now I know there are some people out there that don't like Christmas music. Now I'll, let me let me clarify something. I love Christmas music December first through December twenty fifth. I don't want it in October at Walmart or say so, you know what I mean. I don't want to I don't want to hear it. You know, but I love it. It gets me in the mood. It's fun. It's exciting. It's, it's glorifying to God. Many of the songs. I mean, there's Hark the Herald Angels sing. There's Joy to the World. Silent Night. Away in a manger. No crib for a bed. I mean, there's all these, but have you ever, have you ever taken the time to really listen to Christmas songs that you're either singing here at church or you hear on the radio? Cause there's some really, really good, godly Christmas songs we have out there. But then there are some really, really weird ones, you know, if you listen. So here I'd been listening my whole life to Christmas music, and all of a sudden I hear this, this song, and it was like, wait, what? So it goes like, I'm not a very good singer, but it goes like this. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the hap... Happiest season of all, there'll be scary ghost stories and da 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 (laughs) Scary ghost stories? What? Nothing like ushering in the holiday cheer (laughs) with a scary ghost story. Come on, kids. It's Christmas Eve. (laughs) Gather around. I've got a story for you. <laughs> what are we doing freaking out kids the night before? You know, okay, now go to sleep, sleep tight. The sooner you fall asleep, the sooner Santa comes. <laughs> I don't understand that. You have songs like, all I want for Christmas are my two front teeth. My two front teeth. My two front teeth. Two front teeth. All I want for Christmas are my two front teeth. Listen, I've had 49 Christmases. I have never known a kid to ask for teeth for Christmas. And what do they think? Like Santa and the tooth fairy in a dark alley making an exchange, you know? Did you bring the teeth? Yeah, I got the teeth. (laughs) Here's the money. By the way, by the way, that song... Made number one on the charts in Arkansas again this year, which is, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting for them. There's, there's, uh, there's this one. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, how lovely are your branches. How many cups of eggnog do you think it took before that song was written? <laughs> you know. Mom, Uncle Eddie's singing in the tree again. Okay, well we'll get him. We'll get him. And then you have the kind of these uh these joyful ones that they you think they're joyful. You start off thinking they're joyful, but if you really pay attention, you know, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Now bring me some figgy pudding, now bring me some figgy pudding, now bring me some figgy pudding. You know, we're not leaving until we get some. Is this a stick-up? Is this a hold-up going on? What in the world? Who comes into a house and says, Merry Christmas? Now, give me all your pudding now. I'm not going until I get it. And then for our schizophrenic friends, do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? Do you know what I know? A child, a child, shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. Let us bring him silver and gold. You really want to know what I know? I know you don't know how to keep a cold baby warm. Well, that kid looks like he's freezing. Put this gold brick next to him and... uh Scatter these silver coins on him. That'll do it. That'll warm him up. He'll be good. (laughs) What? What are we doing here? But, you know, in the midst of this, there are some songs that have really good messages. We just don't always pay attention. Silent Night's an interesting one. That's a peaceful, nice song. I just don't agree with it. And I hope I'm not ruining Christmas for you today. But Silent Night virgin teenage girl giving birth in a barn you think it was quiet I don't think so I think there was a lot of screaming going on you know what I mean and the beauty this is the thing Joseph really had a good thing going for him because when she's screaming "Ah," he's like don't look at me he's you know I had nothing to do with this he's he's the one but you have moments in your life. We're going through a pandemic right now, and here we are in the Christmas season. We're singing all these songs, and a lot of them don't make sense, and a lot of them are like, that's just weird. But then you get to some that do proclaim a message. And it's it, the, the weird thing is, is sometimes it's not even the song. It's the people who sing it. Now, I'll explain this in a moment, but I would love for you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, classic Christmas passage here. We're going to learn about the birth of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says in those days, Luke 2, 1, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Verse 21. On the eighth day... When it was time to circumcise him, he, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel 40. And the child grew and became strong he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. It's interesting that we have let me go back to the song away in the manger for a second. So you have this song, nice sweet song away in the manger, no crib for a bed, the little lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay, the little lord Jesus asleep on the hay. And it's just one of these sweet songs that we enjoy and we sing at Christmas time and, and it's encouraging and it's nice. The problem is not really with this song or the lyrics of the song. The problem is with many of those who sing the song. And let me tell you why. Because many people, not all, but many people leave Jesus away in a manger all year long. That's where they That's where they found him, that's where they leave him. And today, this message is titled, Do Not Leave Jesus Away in a Manger. You see, there are dangers that can come to us if we're not paying attention to the very things that we're singing. Now, for fun, some of these worldly songs I listen to, I'm like, that is just so weird. But my whole life I've been singing them. But there are songs that you listen to as you shop, as you listen on the radio, as you sing together. And for some, if there is not faith attached to those songs, guess what I believe is actually happening? You're calling judgment upon yourself because the gospel is being declared in many of these songs that you sing as a Christmas tradition. And you're sitting here proclaiming something about him and about you all at the same time. And there are times that we view Jesus differently than what scripture and these Christmas songs say. Away in the manger. The question is for you today, in your life, is Jesus just away somewhere in a manger? Now, you've heard that term probably, you might be a redneck if... Okay, Jeff Fox really, really did some great jokes on this. By the way, you do know the last thing a redneck says before he dies, right? Hey, watch this. Anyhow, (laughs) you you might be a redneck if. Well, today, today I'm going to say this. You might be leaving Jesus away in a manger if. And I got four points for you to think about today. If, so you might be, you might be leaving Jesus away in a manger if, number one, you simply view him as a poor, helpless baby. As a poor, helpless baby. You know, Mary and Joseph were poor. It's interesting that, that when they went to the temple to dedicate him, that they gave the, the two birds. And it's interesting because really in the Levitical law, it was a lamb and a bird. One was for the sin offering, okay? One was for purification, but it also had this disclaimer in Leviticus, but if you were too poor to afford a lamb, you could do the two bird thing. They came and they gave the two birds. So he was born into a poor family, which is fascinating in and of itself because he set aside everything, In heaven, the glories, the riches, everything to come down here. And he was not born in a palace. He was not born in a resort. He was not born in a fancy house. He was born in a manger. This is a barn. That's what a manger is, a barn. And there was a feeding trough where he was laid in that manger. So barn with the manger for feeding the animals. And this is how the king of kings and the Lord of Lords enters the earth but so many people just can't get out of their mind that he's just a baby. It's just like one of those little precious moments uh babies at Hallmark, right? It's like that's Jesus to many people like, "Oh, he's so sweet." And in your mind, it's he's just it's this cuddly, sweet baby that makes you feel good on a bad day. That you just you just want to snuggle him and go He's so precious. And you adore him to a degree. But you see, the problem with this is if you view Jesus as a poor, helpless baby, you've missed the point. Because he's not poor, he is rich. And he's not helpless, he's the greatest help you'll ever receive. But see, here's the funny thing. Remember when Simeon took him in his arms and he proclaimed this amazing Prophecy about this child, and Mary and Joseph are like, "What, really?" And then all of a sudden, Anna takes the baby, and she's proclaiming things about the baby. And it says that that Mary's just treasuring these things up in her heart. You see, Simeon and Anna were not looking at a baby, assuming this baby was all of a sudden going to save them in the next day or two. They knew this baby needed to grow up. Needed to grow up into what he came here to do. They never looked at him going, Oh, this baby today is the day. They looked at this baby knowing that well, who this baby was and who this baby was going to grow to be and grow to do. But see, for so many in the world, he is just simply a cuddly little helpless baby. Let me show you how Revelation describes Jesus. So if you, if you want to turn to Revelation chapter one, it's the last book of the Bible. So it's super easy to find. Go to the maps and then hang a left. Revelation chapter 1, starting with verse 12 is where we'll start. Revelation 1, 12. This is John speaking. John's the one who's having this revelation. He's heard a voice speaking. And in chapter 1, verse 12, it says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. Now listen to the description of Jesus here. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus is not a helpless baby, but he came in the form of a baby, I believe, significantly to show us that we can be born again, that we start all over he came because he was a fulfillment of the law and he was to live everything out of the law perfectly. But if you view Jesus in your life as just this baby that just is sweet to look at every once in a while and precious to sing about, you've missed the point and Jesus is most likely away in a manger in your heart. Now, Jesus may be away in a manger in your life if you don't understand that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords another description we find of Jesus in Revelation 11 he says we give thanks to you Lord God almighty the one who is and who was because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign you might have Jesus away in a manger this is number two if he is simply someone you celebrate once a year if he's simply someone you celebrate once a year, if he is just this holiday decor, you know, it's funny. You go around and you see people decorating and, you know, I, I was, uh, I was, I don't know how many of you know Mike McCartney. He's a, one of the Fellowship of Christian Assembly, the pastors in the Chicago area, and I was with him last week. And every night we'd go for a walk. We'd bundle up and we'd go for a walk throughout the neighborhoods. And we would kind of choose different neighborhoods. And we would go around and just look at Christmas lights and talk. And actually got to the point where we were rating them like, oh, I like that color. That's good. You know, we would do this. But it was interesting because you would see these homes all lit up and there would be Snoopy and all these blow up things and, you know, a snowman and all that. And please, I'm not putting these things down. But what was interesting is how many of them had a little nativity scene hidden somewhere in the back of all these blow up things and how Jesus was there. he, He was there, but he certainly wasn't prominent. And he was really just another piece, another part of this decor. In your life, Jesus might be away in a manger if he's simply a holiday decor to you. And it's a once in a, once a year thing where you recognize him and go, ah, that was, thanks for coming down. That was really great. You've, you've heard, you know, listen, let's have Christmas in July. Let's have Christmas all year long because the message of Christmas let me, tell you, let me tell you something about Life Church and I'm, I'm a fairly new friend of Life Church the last few years but let me, let me say this this church exists because Jesus was born in a manger we gather and worship and sing because God came from heaven to earth in the form of a baby but that was one piece of the story that was one part of the story it wasn't the whole story there is more to the story but if Jesus is just that one thing you celebrate once a year and it's just sort of part of the stuff that you have laid out or part of the stuff that you think about, Jesus is probably away in a manger in your mind. Hebrews 13:8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever then doesn't that mean we should make him prominent? and worship him, and adore him, and celebrate him? Yesterday, today, and every day moving forward. Does it have to really be just one week of the year? No. If he's in your heart, he's going to live through you. And that leads me to the next point. You see, these are connected. You might have Jesus away in a manger, point number three, if you don't experience or understand what he came to do you see he will simply be decor to you unless you understand what he came to do and you believe that i'm going to tell you a little something about myself and i know that this isn't going to make me look real great i i've been married 28 years and we have an incredible marriage and i i hope to bring my wife out here sometime for you to meet her because everyone that meets her likes her way more than they like me and so i i want you to give you that opportunity but when it comes to Christmas time, I'm, I've kind of been this bah guy when it comes to decorating. Her and the kids have always thought it'd be neat if we decorated the whole outside of the house with lights and all that. And I have said, no, because I don't want to be cold. It's a lot of work. Why would I do that? And I've, I've told her, I say, here's the thing. And we've had this discussion. We finally, I, we haven't had it in a couple years because I think she just gave up. And my kids are now grown and out of the house. So it's like, ah, whatever. But here's the deal. I look at it like this. You mean to tell me I'm risking my life, getting on a ladder, putting things all along our gutter and doing this and wrapping things around the tree and all that so that I can go inside and not even see them. (laughs) I have done this for everyone driving by that I don't even know. And what do I get out of it? a higher electric bill. It just doesn't seem right. So I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. But I am also kind of a jerk because I love looking at other people's decorations. (laughs) I will go to look at their house and I go, what a fool, but that is beautiful. (laughs) I mean, literally, when we were in Chicago, we saw some houses that I was like, he must have started in May. To get it to look like this. And it's ridiculous, but I love it. I look at it. And so when my wife, I have to every year, here's where we compromise. I have to go out in the garage, pull all the Christmas bins down, carry them in the house. She decorates and then I have to put the boxes back. And then like three weeks later, I have to go get the boxes again. And I know I'm making it sound probably more than it is, but I can't stand it. But I love to sit there, drink hot cocoa and watch her do all the work. It looks nice. It really, it's mesmerizing. It looks very, very nice. The lights do. The problem is, if you don't have an understanding of Jesus and what he did, see, here's the thing with him. He came to this earth and did for you what you couldn't do for yourself, and now you get to just enjoy it. He did what I'm refusing to do. Why would... Why would I set all this up for other people? I I can't even see it. Why did Jesus come down? For you. Why did he go through everything he went through? For you. You see, the birth was just the beginning. It was the birth. First of all, let's just say this. The birth was miraculous. The birth was surrounded by miracles. It was surrounded by glory. It had angels. It had this. It had that. It had prophecies. It had... Everything it was amazing. We cannot downplay the birth. That was the entrance of heaven to earth. We that's important. But the birth led to a life which led to a death which led to life. See, he lived, he lived and he walked and he taught and he showed the father to people and he explained the kingdom to people. And and he discipled and then and then he was brutally nailed to a cross. And that cross was pivotal. That was why he came. He came to take your sin and my sin and lay it on his own shoulders and pay the penalty because somebody had to pay the penalty. It should have been me, should have been you. But because of his great love for you, he laid his life down for you. He did this for you. To prove who he was and what he did on the cross, there was still more to come. See, now I'm I'm a hunter. I love to hunt. And, and I, we go on an annual deer hunting trip every year, the whole family and all. But here's the thing with hunting. If you use a rifle with a scope and you, you take that scope inside the scope, there's these crosshairs. They're called crosshairs. And you want to place the, the X part, the the middle of those crosshairs on your target. The crosshairs themselves are not your, they're not your target. They're aiming you to the target. And you see, the cross was vital. It was absolutely important. It's why he came. But that wasn't the end of the story. It was aiming toward the resurrection. The final target was the resurrection because he rose from life and now death has no power over him. And those who believe in him, death has no power over them. But see, what happens is we go through and we leave Jesus away in a manger and we don't understand what he really did for us. So it's just a Christmas decor. You know, during this pandemic, there's been all these commercials. They're coming up with all these commercials to try to help people through this time. I don't know if you have this one out here, but in Washington, there is this commercial for advanced hair restoration. And they had... They had language for the pandemic in it. And it said in the commercial, you would be amazed at the courage and amount of energy you will get with a full head of hair. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I have never sat on the edge of my bed, exhausted, and gone, if I only had more hair. <laughs> if I just had a little more hair, I could get out and mow the lawn. <laughs> Honey, I would hang those Christmas lights. I'm just not hairy enough. I, I can't do it. And if if really you can get so much energy from a full head of hair or a lot of hair, then my one uncle with the very hairy back should be way more active than he is right now. But we have this commercial. It's like, well, how is that to help us? Well, here, listen. People go through their whole life hearing things and saying, well, that's going to help us. That's because I was telling your pastors earlier today. In Washington State, in Washington State, the governor shut down churches gathering together but left all the marijuana shops open because they were essential. We worship the Most High. They are the Most High. I mean, this is the... (laughs) It doesn't even make sense. But what happens is we begin to look for other things to fill those needs, and I'm telling you this morning that that baby that we celebrate in the manger... Did not stay there. Do you remember I said pay attention to verses 39 and 40 in Luke chapter 2? Let me just read it to you again. It says this. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. In other words, they didn't stay in the manger. They left, but many of you perhaps have made your home in the manger. You're just sitting there enjoying a baby when there was so much more to the story. Very last point. In your life, Jesus may be away in a manger if he is away. If he's away from you, you know, it says in James, James four, eight, James says this, come near to God and he will come near to you. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. Jesus himself said to people, he said, listen, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Come to me. But you know what happens is throughout a year, especially like one we've just had, the pandemic, instead of coming to him, we draw away from him. The very thing and the very one we need the most, we resist the most because we're frustrated, we're angry, we're tired, we're exhausted. Listen, I have seen people on Facebook and in my own life over and over and over say to me, I cannot wait for 2020 to be over. I am tired of this. I just want to get on to 2021. I am a very optimistic person. I'm always trying to look on the brighter side. But can I tell you this? You haven't seen 2021 yet. And you might, in February, really miss the good old days of 2020. And think, remember when we had the pandemic? Life was so much easier. Listen, we're told hard days are coming. We're, this has rocked the church. And although I have not liked it and it's been frustrating on so many levels, I personally think this is the best thing that could have happened to the church right now. Because what it's doing is it's making us realize what really matters. What is negotiable and non negotiable? What are we doing? Why does life church exist? Why are we doing what we're doing? And it brings us back, and it started with a baby in a manger. It's interesting. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, or no one comes to the Father except through me. So how do you draw near to him? You draw near to him through prayer. Boy, please, end this year and begin the next year spending time in prayer. Now, I'm not saying this as a judgment. But I wonder if you were to look at your schedule and say, compare the time you spent in prayer and the word of God to the shows you have binge watched on Netflix. How close they would be or how far apart they would be. Draw near to God through prayer. Pray to him. Call on him. Get in his word. You see, his word is a love letter from him to you. And the more you're in his word, the more you're drawing near him because you're drawing near to his heart. You're getting an understanding of who he is and what he wants for you. You know, it's funny. Christmas is about exchanging gifts and all that for many people. But life is not about what God wants from you. It's about what he wants for you. And you'll never know what he wants for you if you're not in the word. And don't rely on just Sunday morning for that word. Draw it in yourself, draw near. Jesus says, you come near to me, I'll come near to you. And then, and then we draw near to him by drawing near to others. And I realize that there are some limitations on that right now. But you see, God works through others in our life and he works through you to others. We draw near to God by using the gifts he's given us and serving other people out of love for them and love for God. So make sure you're serving in some capacity. But draw near to God this year by not resisting Him. By when His Spirit is telling you something and working something in your heart, don't don't resist it and just turn on the TV. Don't resist it and just ignore it. But come near to it. Come near to Him and say, all right, Lord, what what is it you want to do in me? You see, someone I, I was talking to earlier this year said, Start talking about all the pandemic and they said where is God in all of this where is God in all of this because it's been tough here's my answer he's right where you left him he's right where you left him he hasn't budged but are you drawing near to him so today the question where is Jesus in your life is he away in a manger Or has he taken up residency in your heart? The wise men, they came a long ways to see him. The shepherds came a pretty long ways to see him. But Jesus came even further to be with you. And the idea now is not to leave him in a manger, but to leave the manger and have him in us. So today the question is, is where is Jesus in your life? 1989 was a year that I realized who Jesus was you see I grew up in the church my entire life I was in every single Christmas play since I was five years old in fact very first Christmas play my mom was horrified because she had dressed me up I was on the front row I was five years old and while we were singing I grabbed my shirt and I just lifted it right over my head she said I still do that sometimes in worship just to get people's attention but but I did the, the I, I was this kid I was in all of the Sunday school classes. I was in all of that. But I didn't get it. He was away in a manger. Until 1989, I came to know Christ personally. And that was the greatest Christmas of my life because it meant something. He was no longer away, He was near. And today, He doesn't have to be away anymore, He can be near. This could be the greatest Christmas of your life. You could have had the most difficult year you've ever had, and you could end it being the greatest year of your life. So I'm going to close here in a moment, and I'm just going to say this. I'm going to ask you to respond today. And the reason I ask you to respond, because I think there's a power in responding to what God is doing in your heart. It's not a response for me. It's not a response for the pastors. It's a response for you and God. You see, earlier today, you stood up and you stood up quickly to win candy. You stood up quickly because you knew, you knew where the nutcracker, what in fact, someone stood up or didn't stand up. I mean, like, we're anxious, right? We want to, oh, I know that answer. I know that answer. I want to encourage you today. If you know that Jesus has been away in a manger in your life, and today... You want to start by drawing near to him and accepting him as your Lord and Savior? I'm going to invite you to stand in a moment. I'm going to invite you to stand. And then we're all going to stand together. You're not going to just be standing there alone, but we're going to stand together after that because I want you to know that we all stand together as a church. But today could be the greatest day of your life. So on the count of three, I'm going to invite you to respond by standing if... If today you want to draw near to him and for the first time receive him as your Lord and Savior. And I want to just pray with you and I want to encourage you. Okay. And those of you that are at home. Right there on your couch, your bed, wherever you're at. If this is your prayer, if this is your heart, you respond as well by faith. And let's believe God for great things today. So on the count of three, if you say, you know what? I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand because today is a new day for me. This is going to be the greatest year. Then stand to your feet. So on the count of three, one, two, three. If that's you, stand to your feet this morning. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. Amen. You get the, God is, this is going to be the greatest year of your life. Look at this! Can we just give God a hand today? This is so cool. God is so good. I am so proud of you. And I'm going to invite everyone to stand now. Let's all stand. Let's stand with them. And let's show them our support. And let's just encourage one another. And I'm going to lead us in prayer. So, Father, I am overwhelmed with gratefulness of what you have done in the hearts this morning. I thank you for everyone here, but I thank you especially for those who stood this morning. I pray that they would experience you, what you did for them. They would experience that forgiveness. They would experience that cleansing. They would experience new life. That Lord, life or death no longer has power over them. Sin doesn't have power over them, but you have broken those chains. That's what you came to do. Lord, these Christmas songs, some of them say, God and sinners reconciled. That's what just happened this morning. And we are grateful. And so, Father, I pray you pour out your spirit on them. And I pray, Father, for those that are here today that already know you, have already had a walk with you. Lord, we can get lazy at times. And Father, I just pray if any of us have been keeping Jesus away in a manger without even realizing it, that, Lord, today we'd realize you're not into long-distance relationships. You want us up close and personal. Help us, Lord. Help us not to leave you as a baby and making us, leaving ourselves as a baby in our faith, but allow our faith to grow and mature so, God, we pray for 2020 to end well. We pray that we would have great attitudes, that we'd be filled with your spirit. We pray for 2021, that no matter what we face, it would be a tremendous year that you deserve praise and that you're glorified in our lives. So, God, I pray your blessings on life, church, and I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.